Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Yes, sir. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Blue Bloods College Game Time. It's your boy, Trey Smith. It's your boy, Brandon Holmes. Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time, a podcast for the fans, by the fans. Man, we are here into the... Listen, I I didn't have time to change, but I am going into the most anxious week of Mm. my life. We'll we'll expand further next week, because by next week, the, the anxiety should be over for me. But maybe this, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> depending on how this week goes, depending on how this week goes, maybe. But man, this is ah, we are here, man. It's the end of the season, man, and it's getting even better. Can you believe we just finished week 12, B Holmes? Like, we started week zero, we just finished week 12. It's been a blur, bro. It's crazy. It has so. Been. I got to say this real quick before we get with our first little breaking news topic, which is at the top of the list. Um, I want to say I appreciate you wearing that Razorback red shirt for this this episode, man. Like, your shirt matches my hat. So... I wanted to wear my Michigan jersey. I didn't have enough time to change, man. You know, it's a big week for us, man. I, I have like, I, I was tweeting about this. Follow me on Twitter, Real B Holmes. I was like, the amount of anxiety and overconsumption of Michigan content I'm about to consume this week, to, which is still unhealthy because I'm trying to taper my expectations. So uh-huh. let me tell you where I'm at. I mean, we're going to get into segments, but let me just tell you where I'm at with Michigan right now. Come on. And I have a right to be excited. We're 10 and 1. We're, Absolutely. We, we, we won two games last year. And we're going for it all in the game this weekend. Like, this is yeah. why you come to Michigan, this to play it. in games like this. And I know what everyone says. You guys have – I know. We've only beat Ohio State twice in, like, 15 years. I don't care. I don't care. But this is where I'm at with Michigan. I said it a couple of weeks ago. And and I'm saying – I don't – I'm not super, super pumped thinking we're going to win the game. Like, mm. I just watched Ohio State blow the doors off Michigan State. They – they just did exactly what we thought they would do all year, and they clicked at the right time. But here's where I'm also kind of like there's a possibility because Ohio State – now, really, if they wanted to hang 100 on Michigan State yes, Saturday, yesterday, they could have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Michigan State has one of the worst pass defenses in the country by far, in the country. I'm not talking to Big Ten, the country. Yes. But Michigan still put up 59 points yesterday. They put up 59 points with a vanilla game plan, especially in the second half. So I'm not saying we're going to win, but there's this subtle, like, little engine that could in me that keeps saying, I think we can. I think we Mm. can. I think we can. I think we can. And I think we have the right pieces, the right mentality. Now we have to play almost a near perfect, if not perfect game. But the game 
But here's 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 my fun fact where I think we can. This is the only time where we've been top five, two uh, two top five uh, rankings, and mm. it's been at the big house. The other mm. times have always been at the shoe, which has yeah. when you look back at those games, a call always kind of goes. Well, you know, the call normally goes to the home team. They've right. always got a couple calls that kind of went their way. This is the first time that this is at the big house. So I'm 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 already right now thinking 2006 was that one? I think it was a one versus two. Uh, the Troy that was Smith. that was at um, yeah, that was at. But you know what? That was at the big house. I remember that because um, Lamar was it Woodley. Uh, and I, I remember probably. the play that changed the game. I remember the game the, that changed the game. That gave Troy. It was a third and like eight. Smith rolls right. We lock mm. him down. He takes off. We chip him right before he's like taking that step out of bounds. Flag mm. roughing the passer gives him the first down instead of them punting the ball back, and they win that game. Man, yep. Outside but. of that, though, every other one has been in the shoe. Twenty sixteen, the spot. In the shoe. Oh, yeah. Which JT oh, was short, by the way. That JT was awful. JT was short, by the way. That was awful. JT was short, by the way. Hey, here's what way. I'll say, though, B. Holmes. I know you already know this, and anybody that's watched Ohio State this year knows this. That arsenal of weapons, I mean, those receivers, it reminds me of a team I would have recruited in NCAA football 2014 you know like i'm on the ps3 like that's the type of squad i'm recruiting and developing and like getting geeked about like oh i just signed these three five stars coming in as a 79 81 82 all got 97 speed and then by their junior year like i'm unstoppable i'm running all goes every play just lighting the scoreboard up that's them in real life so that's um, them in real life but b holmes we had some breaking news Okay, I don't know how breaking mm-hmm. it is and how definitely not surprising, but our boy, Dan Mullen, he's out. Coach Mullen. Was it last week when I asked you, hey, if by the time we finish recording this podcast, will Dan Mullen still be the coach? Okay, that was two weeks ago. And two we were like, ah, oh, yeah, we'll think we'll get through. Well, then last week, he had a nail biter against the almighty Sanford team. They had an epic locker room <laughs> celebration after that huge mm-hmm. win for the program. I don't know if any of you saw that on social media that are listening right now. Um, but they had a man, they were partying it up in the locker room after that big win. And then yesterday, uh, I'm sorry, Saturday, they got beat by was it South Carolina? No. South Carolina. Missouri. Man. I'm tripping. No, Missouri, South Carolina you're, you're beat right, Missouri. Auburn. Missouri, because the coach Missouri. did the, um, God, he threw the shade guy. with the the lightsaber because <sighs> of Dan Mullen's victory last year in a pre- press conference dressed up like Darth Vader. Yes, that guy. He kept receipts, man. Drink, receipts. drink, Drinkwitz. <laughs> that guy's a dork, though. I mean, shout out to Eli Drinkwitz. And yes, Arkansas plays Missouri. And yes, he's one to know against Arkansas. But that guy is a dork. And I'm sorry, but I'm saying it <laughs> like that's just my opinion. I apologize yeah. if that offends anybody. No, I don't really, but whatever. Back to Mullen. He's fired. I want to give you, B. Holmes, my little coaching carousel uh, before okay. the coaching carousel really gets up and rolling. 
Okay, if you follow me on Twitter, at It's Trey Smith, I put this up on Sunday afternoon. And here's just some here's just some thoughts for you, B. Holmes. You don't even have to comment on it if you don't want to, because um, obviously we could have an entire episode just talking about this. But here's mm-hmm. my carousel. Florida, Hugh Freeze. USC, okay. James Franklin. LSU, Mel Tucker. Penn State, Luke Fickle. Miami Hurricanes, even though it's not officially open yet, but it will be. Lane Kiffin. And I know there's already been a lot of smoke around that starting to surface, but go back uh, a couple months ago, and you will hear on the Blue Bloods College Game Time podcast a hot take that Lane Kiffin will be the next head coach at one of the struggling Florida schools. And I'm not even so sure that the Gators don't make a run for him. So here's here's the thing. If Ole Miss wants to keep him, they better be ready to come pretty close to doubling his salary. And I don't know if they've got the pockets to do that because right now Jimmy Sexton is about to have a field day with his golden boy coach who's about to go win the Sugar Bowl. Yes, I I mean – I believe Ole Miss is either going to be the Sugar Bowl champs or whatever New Year's Six Bowl they go to, they're going to win. Even Mm -hmm. though I don't think the Mississippi State game is going to be as easy for them as maybe some some fans may think. I don't think Ole Miss fans are thinking that. They're like, look, it's rivalry. Anything can happen. But I think your typical just college football fans probably going, ah, yeah, Ole Miss is going to roll them. I think that'll probably be a better game than some are thinking. Vegas has the best underdog, though. Who does? Say that again. I think Vegas has Ole Miss. I think Vegas has Ole Miss as the underdog. So is it in Starkville then? It has to Correct. be. <coughs> it's got to be. I think so. Tommy Brooker, shout out to Tommy Brooker. He did text me about it yesterday. He's like, I think we, um, yeah, Ole Miss is underdog plus one. Um, Vegas really likes yeah, Mike Leach they're, though. They're, they're in Starksville. They really like they really Mike do. Leach. Um, I, anyways, I do think <laughs> Ole Miss wins that, and then it just the price will go up for Lane Kiffin. Sexton's going to use the LSU job. He's going to use the Florida job. He's going to use the Miami job whenever it comes open, which I think we all know it's going to, to just mm-hmm. up the price for Kiffin. And I don't know what Ole Miss's financial situation is. Maybe they do got the pockets to come in and double his salary if that's what they want to do. But if you look at Lane's career, he's always looking for the next thing. And I just don't see him staying at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. But, but continuing with the carousel, Ole Miss then hires Coach Napier. Billy Napier, who I think would be a tremendous mm. fit for the Rebs. Um, I've actually got Justin Fuente, who was just fired by Virginia Tech. I think he could end up mm. at TCU, right? He was the former offensive coordinator there when they won the Rose Bowl. He was Ooh. kind of the one credited with developing Andy Dalton and doing all that. So I could foresee a tie there. I think what's going to happen is TCU is going to miss on a lot of their like top people they want. And then he's going to end up coming in and probably doing a good job at TCU. And then my grand finale of it all is I still think on some way Urban Meyer ends up at Texas. You know, I don't from the start of the season. Yes. And I don't think that Texas is looking to get rid of Sark. I mean, they might be, but I don't think they are. I think they're more than willing to give him his next year. Let him get his recruits in, yada, yada, yada. I went on a rant about Texas and their problems last week. Um, but I think if Urban Meyer comes available and he doesn't 
end up at one of these other top tier jobs that are currently available, I think they move on from Sark knowing they can go get him. So that's kind of how I, my, my early projected yeah. coaching carousel. And I think a lot of those names could be good fits at those universities. Um, yeah. The only thing with Miami and Kiffin, I don't know what Miami's willing to fork out financially. To be honest, that's right. kind of been a knock on their program. I don't think they're going to want to go head to head with Ole Miss. Ole Miss has that deep Southern plantation money, man. They're, they got money. They, they got money. I don't, I don't think Miami can compete. I don't think Miami can compete, but there's also something to be said. I, I don't, I'm not going to say they can't compete because I do think Miami has the money. It's just not motivated right now. As far mm. as they they got some there there's some money there. It's just not motivated. They're wanting to see the university is really willing to commit to the program and get it back to what it once was. And I think if all those yeah. stars align, they could compete. They could compete with Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss has that much money. Um yeah. or not do they have it? I don't know that they're willing to spend that much. Especially when it's pretty well known, Kiffin loves South Florida, and the inroads that he made the three years that he was at Florida Atlantic, like he could literally go build a national championship roster without even having to leave the state. He wouldn't even have to get on a plane. Probably he could go build a national <laughs> championship roster, like just literally driving in his car on the different hotbeds just in South Florida. Because that True. talent hasn't changed. It's just going oh, no. to places like Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. Alabama, it's going. LSU. Yeah, it's it's just not all going to Miami like it was in the years when they were. So that will be an interesting story to watch. I'm also wondering if the Jimbo Fisher to LSU, if there's not a little bit more smoke around that than I know Fisher, I'd be stupid to leave AM and I'd be, I got the number one class and blah, blah, blah. I could foresee him ending up at LSU. I could see Kiffin ending up at LSU. That that one's another interesting one to watch. Yeah. Well, I have, I have some interesting takes on yours. So Florida, this actually just hit me while you're talking. Okay. Um, does Florida not maybe take a stab at history again if Urban becomes available? Wasn't that they had a bad breakup? Urban just had health issues. Um, now, my health original issues. thought... Yeah, he had health issues, health issues right? <laughs> um, now, my original thought, if I'm Florida, I call Billy Napier. Young, dynamic, doing a great job. Um, USC, obviously, you said James Franklin. Now, I texted you Saturday with a name that I thought USC might go after, and that's Brian Kelly out of Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. He's done everything you practically can do at Notre Dame. What more can you do? You got to deal with academics. You got to deal with all the other stuff that comes with Notre Dame. And, I mean, it's fine. He's... He he seemed to have because you know, I remember when he first got to Notre Dame, there was some tension there. Now he seemed to have kind of lowered the tension, been able to kind of navigate the politics. Um, but mm -hmm. I think he would do a great job at USC. Now, if that happens, if USC open takes, let's say they this is my hypothetical. Kelly goes to USC, right? Now Notre Dame opens up. I think Notre Dame calls Luke Fickle. Oh, He's absolutely. in their own backyard. He's a Midwest guy. He know yes. he's already shown he can recruit well with limited mm -hmm. at Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. um, now, if that happens, 
LSU, I think, comes down to, I think Jimbo's their first choice. I don't think Jimbo leaves A&M for the fact that, like you say, as the number one recruiting class, he just signed Walter Nolan, the number one overall recruit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, and and Walter was big with Michigan, and so listen to a lot of Michigan insiders. His mom was really about stability. Like, that mm-hmm. was her thing. Now, we know stuff happens all the time. She could transfer, but she wanted it to feel like home and stability. So that was a that was a big thing. Um, so I think LSU, obviously, I think they try to go after Mel Tucker, but I also think they try to go after Dave Aranda down at Baylor. I think that I think he's a hot young guy coming up through the ranks. Um, and I, I think it's possible that. now Franklin's still out there. I think they call Franklin. You know, you call yeah. Franklin, he's a good mix, he's a good guy. Now, Penn State, if Franklin leaves, I think they call Jeff Halfley out of Boston College. Interesting. Local guy. He's close. He knows that Northeast recruiting ground. He's 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 done a great job at BC. Um, character, you know, I don't think Franklin ever fit Penn State. I've said that since he's got there. I don't think he fits like the Penn State look. The no like name on the back like a, of the jersey. Yeah, yeah. The tradition. Franklin yeah. is flash, man. He's flash. And Jeff Halfley is, he's that. I mean, if you coach at BC, Boston College is practically an Ivy League school. Um, they just get to compete in Division One A sports. Now Miami, I like Kiffin, but I don't. I think if they don't get Kiffin, I like Tony Elliott out of Clemson. It's been quiet, but but I like it. ACC is familiar with it. I have something on that one for you. Okay, and what? then uh, go ahead. We'll come back no, to go that ahead, one. Go though. ahead. Okay. Now, obviously, I think Texas is Urban Meyer. Ole Miss. If Kiffin leaves, I think Ole Miss calls up Mark Stoops. He's a guy that's in the SEC. He's done more with less. Um, now, I don't think he leaves Kentucky, but I think Ole Miss kind of pokes around, see if they can get him. Um, now, here's my dark horse. I think everyone stopped talking about Washington. No one's really talking about Washington, what just happened. Jimmy Lake just got fired. Here's here's a name if I'm Washington I'm calling. I'm calling Dave Clawson from Wake Forest. Mm. Bigger, better conference air quotes if you're not watching visual bigger better mm-hmm. conf- conference going to the Pac-12 from the ACC Washington's not a bad program um went to the playoffs you have a way better yeah you have a way better name recognition with UW than you do Wake Forest mm-hmm. but you don't have the pressures i.e. like you did at Wake Forest you don't have the pressures of Oregon Stanford I mean Oregon USC UCLA, like you don't have to deal with what everybody else does. And then Washington, if you can do what you did at Wake Forest, you can do that at Washington. And you do that at Washington, man, you can sail into the sunset. They're not going to put too much pressure on you. Um, so that that was kind of my coaching carousel. Okay, so let's let's come back to that Tony Elliott Clemson. What former Clemson assistant turned head coach became successful? Just think on that for a second. And then I think Washington also picks up the phone and calls Moorhead at Oregon. Um, Now, Mm. maybe his stock has dropped maybe because they lost. Well, (laughs) they didn't just lost. They didn't show up Saturday night, which that's – They got blown I got them on the agenda here. Um, But I think Jeff Moorhead, former – former coordinator for Franklin, former head coach at Mississippi State. And remember, mm-hmm. he he 
didn't just completely bottom out or anything at Mississippi State. He messed up no. where he came in talking about we're going to win the SEC, you know, the SEC, and we're coming to, you know, he came in real cocky and then kind of got a nice dose of reality um, in his first few years. But it wasn't like he was ever having two win and three win seasons, if I recall correctly. Right. He was only there for two or three years. Um, went to Oregon, kind of helped establish that Cristobal style um of of men, like the, the the sorry the Cristobal mentality with his offensive system, which you really saw mm-hmm. his offensive system flourish with. Like, of course, I mean it was Saquon Barkley, but the way he utilized Saquon, I mean, right, he always had him in positions where he was in space, he was getting one on ones. I mean, the one guy that every team is game planning for, and he always found a way to get that guy, you know, the ball in space or a one-on-one matchup, or a mismatch, or whatever. So I think they have to pick him, pick up the phone and call him. And there was another one that you had mentioned. Um, oh, I don't know that Ole Miss calls Stoops. Because I don't know if Stoops is flashy enough for Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss True. is now to a point – like, let's face it, the Matt Luke hire, that was, that was what it was. He was a former – player he was on Hugh Freeze's staff they knew sanctions were coming or at least they they you know with because because it was like the perfect right. storm of the Hugh Freeze stuff the Houston Nut stuff the uh Laramie Tunsil stuff like they knew something was coming down the pipeline let's just get someone right that can keep us stable through this before Weather we go the storm yes but like Hugh Freeze kind of set it set the stage then they go and get Lane Kiffin if they call Mark Stoops and I mean, let ask Tommy. We need to get Tommy on here. Like he's he's someone who's been we listening do. from day he actually one. Just texting me, bro. Well, we need to get him on here. Um, one, because I want to argue with him about why Ole Miss sucks, and then two, I just want to hear his perspective from his <laughs> his just not just being a fan, but being a plugged in alum, like someone who 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 kind of knows what's going on on the uh, in in the background of the program where. I wonder what he would think about, okay, Kiffin leaves and they try to bring in Mark Stoops. Now, maybe because he's a true football guy, he would be like, well, yeah, he'd probably he'd come in and do really well. But I think he knows mm-hmm. the program well enough to go, mm, I don't know if he's oh, going to be flashy enough to satisfy the fan base and the boosters and all of that good stuff. I mean, I think they would right. be more likely to try to go get like Mike Norvell. Um, mm. Out of Florida State. I, I don't really know what his stock is right now. I mean, you know, obviously it was in the gutter earlier this season, but then he's kind of right. slowly shifted the narrative. In fact, I saw a bowl projection that had uh, Florida State and uh, Arkansas playing in one of the bowls or something. But I did see that on Twitter. We'll see. If Arkansas takes care of business against Mizzou and they finish the season eight and four, surely they'll they'll have a, a New Year's Day bowl. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be yeah. like this big time, but – I would think, give me, give me like an Iowa, you know, give me, um, give, give me something like that, like an Outback Bowl against Iowa or something like that. That that could be a cool, fun matchup. Anyways, let's move on. That's 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 the coaching carousel. We could talk for another twenty minutes about. I can go all day on that. <laughs> I'm gonna just go into bold slash pickums for this week. I had two. Uh, okay. I tanked one of them, and I was. I was I was right on the other one. So I was 50-50 this week. I 
had a feeling okay. on SMU playing Cincinnati, even though it was on the road. Mm-hmm. I've been saying it all year. I've been looking forward to that. Not all year, but I've been saying it here the last few weeks. Like I've been looking forward to that game. And the Bearcats, oh, I'd have to look up what the final score ended up being, but it was not even close. Here it is. It was 48 to 14. It's funny. Like I got a buddy who played at SMU back in the 90s. He was actually a part of the first recruiting class that made a bowl game post death penalty. So he was a part of, um, you know, one of the first teams to actually, one of the first SMU teams, the first SMU team to play in a bowl game after the death penalty. He's really plugged in. I was texting him on Saturday like, I got a feeling, dude. I got a feeling. In fact, I saw him on Friday night because he's an athletic director right now. Um, and we were watching uh, we were watching a, a high school playoff game together, and I was talking to him about it there. But I was like, man, I got a feeling about SMU. I think they're going to do it. And he's like, all right, I'm headed to go watch it with some, you know, probably some of his former teammates or whatever. Right. We're, we're ready. <laughs> and then a little bit later, I was like, well, don't ever listen to me when I say I got a feeling about right. your team or whatever because <laughs> they just got hammered. I don't know what's going on there. Um but it's it's crazy because it's like a game you think would be competitive for Cincinnati, they just dominate. And then the games you think they're going to dominate, they, they, you know, as you would say, leave yeah. a lot of meat on the bone. Um, yeah. And then, bro, I, I don't know what it was, but I had the same feeling about Utah. I thought Oregon's you just did. been – they've been in that three spot. They've been in that three spot. You know, everyone keeps talking about, oh, they beat Ohio State. Oh, they beat Ohio State. And something about this game, I did not think it was going to be a blowout like it ended up being. I just thought Utah Mm -hmm. was going to take care of business and find a way to win that game. But they straight Mm -hmm. dominated them from start to finish. I didn't even watch the whole thing because it it just got boring. I did think early in the third quarter when Oregon came out and scored immediately and I think made it 28 to 7. And just knowing yeah. how how your typical Pac-12 can, game can go, like in the Pac-12, a 28-point lead. It's nothing. With a whole half to play. Yeah, I mean, it ain't nothing. nothing. So I'm going, <laughs> okay, they came out and scored. They're going to make this a game. But Utah responded and kept them off. And I it. think they ended up winning. Uh, what was the final on that one? I mean, it was similar to I don't know. The I Cincinnati. 38 to 7. It's 38 to 7, Utah over Oregon. So those were my uh my bold slash pickums. I went 50-50 this week. What about you, B Holmes? Man, I I went three and one actually. So let me talk about my one that I missed. I would I took an Oregon at plus three. I, th- I just thought it would be closer. I thought it would be a typical Pac-12 shootout, and maybe if it kind of fell in the end that Oregon might be able to pull it out. But I thought it would be a close game. Clearly it wasn't. I was so annoyed because the rest of the day I was super pumped <laughs> because uh, the other one I took, I took um, to the greatest three-win team in the country. I took Nebraska plus nine and a half against Wisconsin. Let's go. Um, the greatest three – you know, Nebraska set the record yesterday – for the most one loss, one possession, the most games lost by one possession. by a sing- So the most games lost by single digits with Man. seven. With seven games. I think Man. they were like three and eight. My seven out of those eight losses have been by a one possession, a field mm. goal or a touchdown. So I, I took that, and, I mean, I felt bad for Scott Frost, man. It was like – and I watched that game. I was like, oh, man, they were playing Wisconsin, and – 
man, Wisconsin put some some numbers up uh, this week. Yes. So it was actually shocking. Um, the other I took, which I thought was like a really easy, was an under 65 Vanderbilt versus Ole Miss. It was senior night. I figured if Ole Miss could get out a good run, they'd probably throw in, you know, the third, yeah. fourth walk-ons, those guys. Sure. And, and and we hit that. Um, now, the one that had me sweating, I watched this entire game. I actually took under 70 and a half points for Michigan State versus Ohio State. And, man, Ohio the reason State almost why went I was over sweating himself. so bad. <laughs> that, that, right. Ohio State could have put up 70 in the first half if they wanted to, man. Like, it was so oh. – and I'm going to let, let this just transfer over into my disappointment. I was so disappointed in Little Brother. So – and I – Mm. And I talked my noise on Twitter, and 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 I said it. Follow me on Twitter, Real B Holmes. Everyone, and I said, you know, because uh, one of my followers is funny, uh, Rocksteady. I don't even know her name. We just, you know, she's a uh, been in the football message. You know how you are on Twitter. Yeah. You're just like, oh, yeah. you know, you're like, I don't you even got, know who you, you are. Your but anyways, peeps. we have mutual yeah. friends, and yeah, you know, she's just a Twitter friend, and um, I got a few of them, and. She hits me. She's like, I hope you know, like the same thing's happening to you next week. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm I'm okay for this happening to me next week. I just don't think we're going to lay a dud in the first half and it'd be mm-hmm. 49 to zero and Ohio State's just running. Like now I predicted the Purdue loss with Michigan State. I said it mm-hmm. all week. I thought it was it was more of a trap game, though. I knew it. I was like, right. it's a trap game. I like Brom. They're playing in West Lafayette. Um, David Bell. I did not think Michigan State would win this game, but I was a little nervous because I knew if Michigan State kind of could stay in the game and they – that's been their mantra all year. Stay in the game long enough, they're going to beat themselves. And I was like, man, if they stay in this game just long enough, I didn't trust C.J. Stroud. And you can see me, I tweeted that. I said, I believe Ohio State will run these boys out the gym unless Michigan State can get to C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. If they can get to C.J. Stroud early – get him rattled because he's a freshman. He's still only a registered freshman mm-hmm. and the biggest game of his career so far. He, we saw it. We've seen it all throughout the year. I've seen it all throughout the year. Now he's just got bailed out because he has, like you said, 99 overall. He has a 99 and 97 and a 92 yeah. uh, as a starting. Then he has an 85 true freshman running back. So he has the pieces, but <laughs> – I, I didn't trust him with the ball in his hand, like in, in crunch time. I've seen him kind of get nervous. But man, we now I know you have a coach crush on Mel Tucker. I like I Mel Tucker. Let me just be a hundred. Let me be a hundred percent real. Guilty. Anytime a brother is doing well at a big time program, I'm rooting for you until you play my team. Right. I like Mel. I like Mel, but I've been sick of Michigan State talking all this noise. We're gonna take him to the woodshed. We're gonna take him out to the deep. You did all that talking all week, bro. All yeah. week, bro. I had to listen. Don't talk anything about us. Y'all didn't beat us, even though we, we know why. And y'all got the breaks. Yeah. And I mean, it was all gas. No. And every time I thought Ohio State was going to let up, Trey, in the first half, even when they had two minutes left on the clock before halftime, Ryan Day made a statement. Now, uh, J- my boy Jaron Prince tweeted me this. He goes, "You know, this is what they're. This is sending a message to Michigan right now." He's like, "This is like another man beating up another grown man while looking at the next grown man they want to beat up in the face." <laughs> and I was like, "No, that's exactly what that was. That was like we're putting Michigan on notice. This is what we plan to do to you." And I it's believe like, if that was Michigan, they would have hung seventy in the first half. It's like the scene from Black Panther when. Uh, 
Michael B. Jordan's like, is this your king? Yeah. Is this your king? Boom. That's exactly what is it was. Is this your king? That's exactly that, that, that was what Ohio State was doing right there. That's what it was. <laughs> so I'm disappointed, man. We've had to listen to Take You to the Woodshed, Coming to the Deep, all this all year. Michigan State, we're that team. And granted, they mm. beat us, whatever. I'm going to talk my noise. And, and I'll take my licks next week if, if we lose. I'll take my licks. Fair enough. But that was yeah. disappointing, bro. You, you're supposed to be the number seven team in the country. Mm. You got blown. And if... If Ohio State, really, if they wanted to, they would have shut you out. They just pulled their starters by the third quarter. Like, mm-hmm. so you scored one touchdown on their, like, backup backups mm-hmm. in, like, the fourth quarter. It was, like, the, the third and fourth string guys. It To me, that's just disappointing. Don't, you know, and we heard all the complaining. Why is Michigan ranked ahead of us? The committee was right. We're a better-looking team. I'm not right. saying we're going to beat Ohio State. We're not about to get ran through, though, 40 – God – forbid we don't get ran through 49 to zero in the first half <laughs> like bro you're a top 10 team you gotta you gotta you gotta put points on them. and then i'm disappointed because and and then i'm done with my rant bro and this is how you feel about iowa state is how i feel about michigan state i can't stand them but mm. you have a heisman trophy candidate in your backfield yeah he had six touches in the first half mm. six and i saw it when they came out the game i was like why are they trying to throw Everybody knows what you're going to do. Don't, but it hasn't, it has not not worked for you. So don't try to get cute and try to outgun sling Ohio State. Stick to the ground. Cause when yeah. Kenneth Walker only had six touches in the first half, two of those touches, he made something out of nothing. He doesn't need much. Right. He just needs a crease. And I was like, I'm disappointed that they got away from who they were and didn't really make it a game because it could have become a game. But I think they tried to, like, outsmart themselves versus, like, this is who we are. We're going to play – our pass defense is rough. We're going to run the football with our Heisman potential court running back. And let's see where the chips fall. So well, that's my disappointment, and, man. And to that point, though, like, just the game of football, if, you, if, if Michigan State stays true to their identity – Hey, at least it maybe it's twenty eight to nothing at halftime instead of forty nine to nothing. Like let's let's reduce the amount of possessions here. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's let's take the air out of the ball a little bit. Like we may not score, but my goodness, we we can at least not stop the clock. Give them the ball right back so that they could just boom right back down the field and put another six exactly. up on the board. So I was surprised by that. B, go ahead and hit your. So you went. Your disappointment, go ahead and yeah, hit your surprise. From, that was my disappointment. Because go ahead and do your surprise, because my surprise and disappointment both go hand in hand. So who was your biggest surprise? Did you have one? Well, man, no, that was all my biggest surprise. I was surprised at how bad they played yesterday, that they okay. let Ohio State literally just just drag them on the back of their pickup truck through town. It was just <laughs> All the way to the woodshed. <laughs> Okay. All the way to the woodshed. They spanked okay. them on national TV. So, yeah, that's it for me. So, my biggest surprise, um, surprise, surprise, was how well Arkansas played Bama. And really not just how well they played them, but really had that's a chance game. to win that game. Um, it blows me away and also surprises me that Traylon Burks, wide receiver for Arkansas Razorbacks, number 16, who – I think had eight catches for 160 and two touches. He had the highlight that was all over Twitter where he literally outran the entire Alabama secondary to the end zone. 
and he's a big dude. He's like 6'3 and a solid 225. Um, in my opinion, and yes, it is a biased opinion, he's the best receiver, one of the best receivers in the country. Um, I think you can put him on any team, including Ohio State, and he's the top one or two target. He's the number one or number two target. And he's not even a finalist for the Bolitnikoff Award. And here's what bothers me about that. Mm. Right now, if you look at most draft, like mock draft, draft projections, draft rankings for the 2022 NFL draft, if you look at the defensive backs, I want to say it's four, four of them. There's one from Georgia. There's one from LSU. There's one from Bama. And I think there's one from another SEC West team that is escaping me right now. Worst Mm. case, it's three. He's played against three to four defenses that are featuring a top 10 projected defensive back. Not top 10 overall, but I'm saying in the top 10 defensive backs for this draft class. And then that's just for this draft Mm -hmm. class. That's not including those underclassmen who aren't going to be draft eligible, but will probably be in the top 10. So it's not like he's, he, he, he doesn't have a season, you know, where if he was playing at SMU or if he was playing at Cincinnati, or if he was playing at one of these other colleges where it's like week in and week out, he's playing against the best of the best and he's putting up massive numbers. He is mm-hmm. by far Arkansas's best player. Um, a team that has won diddly squat the last several years and is potentially on track to win nine games this season for the first time in a decade without him that does not happen he plays through injury he plays whether it's his shoulder his chest his knee like whatever it is he's just a gamer he's a player and it really shocks me that he is not a finalist for the Bolitnikoff Award. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest robberies in all of college football right now. And yes, I'm a Razorback. Yes, I'm biased. But I think if you objectively look at this and you look at the body of work he's put together this season and who he's done it against, Mm -hmm. try to make an argument he doesn't deserve to at least be a finalist over whoever else is up there. Um, I don't even know who they are. I don't care because I'm telling you right now, you can't make a better argument for all of them that he doesn't deserve a seat at that table. So, um, and then that leads right into my disappointment, which is the SEC officiating. Okay. It's just a joke. And, and it, and it's the same thing every year. And it's not like it's a surprise. It's not like it's unexpected. It's just, I'm over it. Right. The Bama privilege. It's like, they weren't even trying to hide it Saturday. I mean, they don't even care anymore. They're the, the, the SEC officials <laughs> yeah. at this point. They're going to the bank. They're robbing the bank in broad daylight. They're not even wearing a mask, and they're just walking back. They don't even have a getaway car. They're walking to where they parked in the parking lot. I mean, they don't even care. Literally, there were there were several plays. And let me just say this: I'm not a big like excuse guy when we lose. I'm I really don't. You can look at all right. my tweets. You can look at how I react to things. Like at the end of the day, you lose, you lost the game. Like I'm not a big blame the officials or blame what the other team did this or the other team was cheating. I mean, even when and I only bring this up because I, I just when I said that you can go look at my Twitter my Twitter, there was one thing I tweeted and I was just being funny. But a lot of Razorback fans were up in arms when Ole Miss kept faking their injuries the whole game against us to slow down our tempo. And like 
yeah, that's annoying, but that's not why we lost the game, right? I mean, I, I didn't use that as an excuse, but right, I did put right. on Twitter when they were all dancing in the locker. I was like, wow, I'm surprised one of them didn't pull a uh, pull a calf muscle like they were all day <laughs> during the game. Um, but my point is, I don't I don't make excuses. I don't blame officials. But there was three plays yesterday right. that were just or, or Saturday, I'm sorry, that were just blatant. I mean, it was blatant. One of them was an intentional grounding where like. It, it was one of those, it was a play action and a little kind of just drift route where where uh, it may have been Burks. Usually we'd run it with our tight end where they run across the formation and they kind of just drift out into the flat and you run your little, I don't know if it's an RPO or not, but you run your little play action and then you just dump it off over to him. Well, Jefferson got pressured, so he dumped it over to him, but like it, 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 it fell like three to five yards short. I mean, it was obvious he's throwing it to the flats to Traylon Burks. He's right there. Intentional grounding. Ridiculous. Yeah. Domin- Dominic yeah, Johnson, that was bad. running back, punches it in from the one-yard line. I mean, his whole half of his body is in the end zone, and they still had to review it. I'm going, how, how do you not call that a touchdown? I mean, it was a – they spotted <laughs> it at the one. I'm going, what are the – and then yeah, the last one, and this one still really bothers me because this was the dagger that just ultimately decided the game was, and if anyone watched the game, and if you didn't, you probably saw it on social media possibly. It was the last touchdown that Bama scored. The receiver caught it but was maintaining possession. And, you know, I, I, don't, even, I yeah. don't even know what a catch in football is anymore. Um, I still think Des Bryant caught it. If you're Cowboy Nation, you know what I'm talking about. So ever since then, I've just completely lost track of what a catch even is. But, you know, you got to have possession and it can hit the ground. But as long as the ground doesn't help, you know, as long as it doesn't move when it hits the ground, whatever the criteria is, I don't care. Even if that final Mm -hmm. touchdown, he maintained possession through the ball touching the ground, that's fine. However, he was out of bounds. He was in the back of the end zone when he maintained full mm-hmm. possession. And that's what I didn't understand. No one was talking about him going like, maybe Danielson did. Gary Danielson, he's so funny because the whole game, he's like, what are these guys watching? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> Gary, you've been doing this for how long now? How do you not know that this is Bama privilege at its finest? <clears throat> Excuse me, I'll put a dollar in the jar for coffin. But... Anyways, all that to say, I'm over the whole SEC love affair with Saban, Bama, and this whole era that's been going on for the last decade, almost decade and a half. I hope Georgia (laughs) hangs 70 on them in in the SEC championship, um, which now I'm to a point where I'm going, God, Bama's not going to win that game, are they? I mean, I'm I'm having thoughts. Mm. I'm, I'm going there a little bit. But I'm thinking, man, Bama's not going to win that game. Surely they're not going to win that game. And um, I'm just ready for Saban to retire. Let Bama hire whoever it is, whether they try to go get Swinney or whatever it is. I'm just over it. Um, But the thing is with the officials and officiating, and this is kind of the former, like, basketball coach, like, basketball player um, in me. You don't expect – like officials to get all the calls right. Okay. You can ask mm-hmm. any basketball coach in America and say, what makes a good official? And they're not going to say, oh, when they make all the right calls, because nobody does that. What makes a good official is consistency, right? 
in basketball, it's just just if if that's not a foul on this end of the floor, and it's not a foul on this end of the no, floor on, as a coach, like or a player, like I don't, I'm not going to complain about it, right? Whereas right. it's the same in football. Like if if I'm calling, and it's a little bit different, but it, it's it's just a thing of like let's just be consistent. And and my point with that is, any of those three plays that I just described, had the tables mm. been turned and it been Bama's quarterback making that throw, or it been Bama's running back punching it in, or it been Arkansas's receiver making that catch, I guarantee you the call goes the other way because yeah. the other way was the right call. Anyway, so that's that's my rant. And, um, man, I got one other thing on here. I don't know if I want to talk about it, but it's about Matt Campbell. Um did you hear that Go audio of him? Did we you hear that audio of him? Here. I know, but did you hear that? You about were telling me about it a little earlier. Talking about, <laughs> you know, that was that was not Matt Campbell. That was not Coach Campbell's goal to win the Big Twelve. That was not Coach Campbell's goal. Um, well, you know, our goal is to be the best team what could possibly be, and I, I just. He got real triggered by a reporter asking him, "Hey, how are y'all balancing?" you know, the expectation of winning a big 12 championship to start the season to now, you know, and he, he jumped and I'm just thinking Bob Stoops said it best because Matt Leinart, uh, in one of the pregames was like, coach Stoops, what did you think of that? I mean, could, could you imagine if a player came to you and said, Hey coach, I don't want to come to your school and compete for conference championships. I just want to come be the best I can be. What would you say to that kid? And Stoops goes, hey, he said, I tell him don't come here because we win a lot of them. <laughs> I was like, that was genius. But, uh, that is true. I don't know. I don't want to harp too much onto it. But, you know, anytime I can take a slight dig at Iowa State, I'm going to. I just, I don't know. I love, I've, I've to this point, I've loved a lot of the things that Matt Campbell talks about. When he talks about, you know, falling in love with the process and eventually the process will love you back. I think – um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of truth to that. That's not just football, but that's life. And right. That I felt like for him being so adamant about that, that wasn't his goal. And I'm sure he was just trying to make a point and he was probably talking to his team and he's probably trying to send a message to the media and, 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 but right. I don't know, man, I feel like, you know, that's why you play the game. You play the game to win. You play the game to win conference championships yeah, and, win. You you did you 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 did underachieve based on the preseason rankings. You were a top ten team, and right now you're not even in the discussion to compete for your own conference championship, which really isn't that like tough of a conference. Um, right. It's looking like that's going to come down to both either the Oklahoma schools or or Baylor. Even Baylor's got Baylor. a shot. Shout out Baylor. to my cousin Alicia. Uh, she's also one of our. Uh, regular listens uh listener she uh she she might oh, be yes. listening right now on her way from either Houston to Austin or Austin to Houston she that's when she gets her her digest of the blue bloods college game time <laughs> and uh I was visiting with her this weekend and we were just kind of talking about OU and um she even told oh, yeah, me Brandon OU fan. hey you'll dig this she um <laughs> she said I didn't even realize that uh um what's his name bro what's the 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 quarterback for OU, the starter, like the the starter that's no longer Caleb the Williams. starter. No, 
the other one. The, the, oh, Spencer the Rattler. One. Yeah, Rattler. I was like, why can't I think of his name? She was like, I didn't even realize uh, he went back in the game. Uh, whatever. Uh, was that last <laughs> week when they lost to Baylor? She's like, yeah, I heard Brandon talking Baylor, about yeah. it. She's like, yeah. man, he, he sure does have a he sure does have it out for these OU fans. Like, yeah, I go well. He 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 uh he's got like a little him, network man. full so of them. So I was like, but that doesn't include you. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, no, at least it's great. She always, hey, she's always engaging on on Twitter. I appreciate that's it. That's true. But anyways, they had a big win against Iowa State. Um, so yeah, it's going to come down to Bedlam, and the Baylor Bears are still hanging around. So I'll be curious to see how the Big Twelve plays out. But I think we've reached that time. B Holmes, everybody's favorite segment. True minute drill, man. Start on the whistle, end on the buzzer. So I'm thinking this week, before all the national media starts just obsessing over this and talking about this nonstop, maybe we can give our takes before, which is let's let's who's your uh who's your Heisman? I know we still got two games oh, left. And after this yeah. week, and then really after championship weekend is when we'll really start hearing Heisman moments and this and that. But let's go. Let's let let's go right now with with one regular season game remaining, and then championship weekend remaining. Who's your Heisman and why? You're gonna go first. Start on the okay. whistle, or do you want me to go first? I don't care. I don't. I don't care. Whichever one. Okay. Whichever you want to do. You can go first. I just I just went on a whole soapbox, so I want to like. Get a get a swig of water here and like catch my breath while while, while you go. All right, okay. start on the whistle, end on the buzzer. Let's go. Listen, I'm gonna be a little bit unconventional. We know it's either gonna be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, depending on how these next couple weeks end up. But listen, I'm so sick of the Heisman being an automatic quarterback or running back kind of thing. I know we had Devontae Smith win last uh, last year as a receiver, but man, I think man, it's about the Heisman's the best overall player on the field in college football that affects the game. And I'm gonna say this: it should go to a defensive player this year. I really like Jordan Davis out of Georgia, but I'm going to tell you the guy who should win it is Aiden Hutchison out of University of Michigan. Listen to the stat line. 47 total tackles, nine sacks, three pass deflections, two forced fumbles from a defensive end while consistently taking on double teams all year. The guy plays the wide side of the field all game. He's constantly targeted. He's constantly being held, and the guy puts up numbers. He's going to potentially be the number two pick in the draft. I'm telling you, if you take him off of that defense, Michigan looks a whole lot worse. And I think if we're going to give the Heisman, let's give it to players who actually affect the game. And I think this year it deserves to go defensively player either Aiden or Jordan Davis and I'm going to vote for Aiden Hutchison the guy's a full-on beast and he deserves it all right well I mean kind of took a little shine little luster off my shine but I'm just going to stick with what I've got right here uh, despite what you just said I'm glad I'm glad you went more with your Michigan guy because then I really wouldn't have had anything to say this segment <laughs> um, so obviously you probably know exactly who I'm about yep. to go for. I put it on my Twitter account yesterday. Um, here we go. Start on the whistle and on the buzzer, get my timer set. Can't wait till we've got blue bloods interns to like, to do, do all this for us, by the way. <laughs> hey, if you're listening right now, like you're looking for some experience doing some audio engineering, holler at me. I can, I can, hey. I can teach you the basics. Come all on. Right. Ready? 
So to your point, the Heisman goes to the most outstanding player. That's the criteria, the most outstanding player, not the most impressive stat line, not the sexy highlights, but the most outstanding player. And in my opinion, the most outstanding player of the 2021 college football season is defensive tackle Jordan Davis. He would lead the nation in plays disrupted if that was a stat. And I'm telling you right now, it's plays disrupted that keep offensive coordinators and offensive coaching staffs up late at night trying to figure out what do we do about this guy. He is on what I believe is the arguably the greatest college football defense in the history. There are some exceptions you could maybe make some arguments for, especially with some of those early 2000s Miami teams, but he's the anchor. He's the play disruptor. You pull him off that defense, and I think it looks totally different because of the things that he does to impact the game. He opens things up for his linebackers. He makes things easy on his secondary. Jordan Davis is your Heisman, bar none. Perfect. Yeah, man, I wish we'd get back to giving the uh, defensive guy some love. I think what the last defensive guy who got invited was Manti Teo. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, I mean, Jordan, I like Jordan Davis. I like, and it's not just because I'm a Michigan fan. Aiden has had an unbelievable year this year. Like, unbelievable. When you watch, like, I watched Georgia and Michigan religiously this year because um, part of me wants to see if Georgia would ever lose, which I don't think they will. <laughs> but, like, when you look at Jordan Davis in the middle, like you said, he disrupts everything. And then when you look, if you go, and I, I just ask anybody, like, you know, you might not watch a lot of Michigan because you might not care, but go look at Aiden's highlights. See what he does throughout the year. I mean, the guy is has a nonstop motor. Um, yes. He's a disruptor. He's 6'6", 265, um, running a 4'640". Like, it's unheard of. The, the kid's a freak. So, I mean, I know they're not going to get invited. I feel like both of those guys should get invited. Both of those guys are, you know, to me, they're the two two of the probably top five players in the country, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and then if we're on this, the one neither one of us talked about is Will Anderson, uh, the defensive end at Bama. I mean, yep. he, he has the same type of impact. Yeah, I think it was Teo, and then before him was the Honey Badger. And then, oh, yeah. dude, I think before him it was Charles Woodson. The only defensive the only. player to win the Heisman, the GOAT. I hey. know people talk about Prime. I love Prime. But Woodson, man, Woodson is my guy. To me, he's one of the greatest DBs ever. Well, I was looking earlier. He had one touchdown, uh, his Heisman award-winning year. Jordan Davis now has one touchdown mm. uh, on the season. And that's the thing, dude. If Kirby wanted to, he could have probably gotten Jordan Davis 10 to 12 touchdowns this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, big man touchdowns. So, you know, and just tried to pad that stat to, to boost that resume since that's what a lot of them look at. I just, I don't see how you can look at how that guy's impacted the game like week in and week out on a defense that's arguably one of the best ever. So mm-hmm. if he. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just thought about this. It, before Woods, I mean, after Woodson and Dominican Sue, I think he finished second right. in his voting. That's right. Colt McCoy, I think. Yeah, 20. No, that would have been Ingram. No. Yeah, wouldn't that have been Mark Ingram? I'm about to find out. I mean, McCoy was, I think it was Sue. It might have been Ingram. Ingram and McCoy. 
And then Texas and Bama played in the championship that year, but Texas and Nebraska played in the Big 12. Um, either way. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you're Sue, right. It was, it was Ingram. Ingram. Sue probably had a more impressive stat line than what Jordan Davis has, but it's two different types of players. Like Jordan Davis is a is a he's a plug, right? I mean, he's a right. he's an anchor. Like Sue was also a pass rusher from the interior. And right. I feel like what Jordan yeah, Davis does is he opens the game up for his linebackers to just wreak havoc because he yeah. absorbs, you know, two or three guys every play. And then you got some of the best linebackers in the country that now can go just do what they do pretty much without any kind of yeah, resistance two, for the most part. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at Jordan Davis's stat, only nine solo tackles, two sacks, which is completely different because Sue was 52 solos. Three, yeah. 33 assisted, 12 sacks, and the interception. So two different players. You're right. Yeah, two totally different Shout roles. Shout out to Toby and- Gerhardt. He was in that finalist, too. Oh, yeah, with his 30-something touchdowns from the one-yard line. Um, Was he Harbaugh? Was that Harbaugh? Uh, I think that would have been a Harbaugh year, right before he went uh-huh. to San Fran. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I think that, he probably won't because his stat line is not sexy, and that's that's a big part of the Heisman. Like I said, though, if disrupting offensive plays was a was a stat, you could make a strong case for him because that's that's what he does. And to me, mm-hmm. there's nothing more valuable to have on a football team than someone that could disrupt everything you're trying to do. So. Right. I'll say this. If he dominates that Bama offensive line in the SEC championship, I don't care how many sacks he gets or tackles for loss he gets or how many. I'm saying if he dominates that offensive front and allows the guys playing behind him to shut that def- to shut that offense down, he deserves the Heisman. I mean, that's what he yeah. does. He anchors the front and all those guys behind him do what they do, which is now, you know, become one of the best defenses I've ever watched. So that's all I got, B. Holmes. We'll find out. Yes, we will. That's all I got, man. That's all I got. Well, hit them with the hit them with the old uh what is oh, it? The, all right, little, guys. Well, hey, man. We, we, hey, we got it. Let's or, get the round first. First off, guys. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. Thank you guys for joining <laughs> us, man. Make sure you <laughs> We could pull old Dumb and Dumber. Think, Big gulps, huh? Yeah. Well, see you later. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, guys, man, thank you guys for joining us, man. Make sure you follow us on our social medias. If you're watching us visually, you see where they are right behind us. If you're listening, follow Trey on Twitter at It's Trey Smith. That's at It's Trey Smith. You can follow yes, me sir. at Real B Holmes. You can also uh, follow Blue Bloods on on uh, IG and TikTok. That's at Blue Blood CGT at Blue Blood CGT. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube. 
Um, and we're, we're, we're working on some stuff, man. Thank you guys for just joining us on this journey, man. We don't really know much about much on podcast and we're figuring it out as we go, but, mm. and we appreciate all, all the things you guys do. And we appreciate those who listen faithfully every week. We get your texts, we get your tweets. We love engaging with you guys on Twitter. Um, and man, we're excited to see where this thing goes as we're heading into and just, Oh, let me put this out as a caveat. Just cause college football's over. Doesn't mean we're stopping. We're going mm. right into basketball season, guys, man. We're, we're going all year long, man, nonstop. I don't, I don't know if we'll take like a break in the summer or something i don't know but we'll see but we will do basketball um but until next time you got anything dre i got nothing man except for be uh, be ready we are going to have some college hoops content coming very soon we got some some big time early season tournaments happening uh this week that we're pumped for but we appreciate anyone who's listening we are back on our regular youtube channel um that's a whole story we can get into one of these days so please subscribe We've just decided we want to try and build this thing brick by brick, one listener at a yeah. time. Um, and yeah, man, that's all that's I got. It. Well, guys, man, enjoy your wins. Sulk in sorrow in your losses. <laughs> Sleep well. If you're an OU fan, hey, man, I'm joining you in anxiety. If you're a Michigan or Ohio State fan, it's going to be a big, big week for all of us. And I'm excited to talk to you guys next week about whatever is happening. No matter what, this week is a good week for me, Trey. No matter what, this week <laughs> is going to be a good week for me. We'll yes, see if it it'll be. be a spectacular week <laughs> by the end of next week. But until next time, guys, we love y'all. Take care. Peace. I love college. Hey. College football. Hey. I love March Madness. Hey.